Hey, what's going on, everyone? We are so glad you're choosing to take time out of your day to listen to our sermons. Our prayer for you is that these messages would not replace your belonging to a local church, but would only be supplemental in your walk with Jesus. With that being said, we love you, and we hope you enjoy the message today. They each began to lay a pillow on the ground around a small table that sat close to the ground. And each of them would go and they began to make their way seated on the pillows around this small table on the ground. And no one said a word to each other. They, they looked at the table and they looked at the herbs that had been placed there. And then next they looked at the lamb that was in place. And thoughts began to rush into their minds about that lamb. See, that, that lamb wasn't just a lamb they went and found for this. This, this lamb was part of the family. They remembered this lamb. They remembered the personality of this lamb. And and in a way, it hurt. But at the same time, they they understood. And and so their their minds rushed back to a time when they were younger, when they were taught about what exactly was going on right now, about what they were supposed to remember. And, And they went back to a time that they were taught when their ancestors were in the land of Israel. And, and their ancestors in Israel uh, were kept as slaves. They were abused. They were mistreated. And God decided that he wanted his people out. He was going to free his people. But something had to give for his people to go free. And so as they looked at this lamb, they remembered when God began to send the plagues into the land of Egypt, God had finally had enough with the Egyptians. And he explained that you either let my people go or the firstborn of every family dies. And the only way to get around this, because Israel's still in the land too, God tells the Israelites, take a lamb, the best lamb, and kill it. Take the blood and put it on your doorposts. And, and I'm going to send the angel of death, and he will secure your victory. But if you want him to pass over your home, You have to kill the lamb and spread the blood on the doorposts. And so as this family sits around this table, thinking about all these thoughts about their history, about where they came from, about what defines them as a people group, they look at that lamb and they look at each other. And the father looks at the lamb and looks back at his oldest son and smiles ever so slightly, knowing the price that had to be paid that they're still here today as a family. And so this is, this is what every Jewish family, every year around this time, every Jewish family would, would partake in this meal that is known as the Passover, to remember what God has done in the past. Uh, and, and this, again, this is all the way back in the book of Exodus, where God saved his people from the Egyptians. And, and he, he came up with this crazy plan to get his people out. And, and this plan involved the sacrifices of a, of a lamb. And God said that I'm, I'm going to send my angel of death, but don't worry. You'll be okay. Now, the, the Egyptians, on the other hand, well, they weren't so okay. And this is part of what allowed the Israelites to leave the land. And, and this is something that Jesus himself would have had every year, his 33 years that he spent of his life here on earth, he would have had this meal with his family, this Passover meal. And you know, this is actually something that, that most of us can probably relate to. Uh, most of us can probably think of some, some sort of meal that might remind us of something, that might trigger thoughts back to another time. You know, for me, if, if anybody here were to bring me hospital food, for instance... <laughs> 
there would be a certain thought that begins to enter my mind. I would, I would go back to the only time I've ever had to stay in a hospital, and that was when my beautiful daughter got introduced to this world. And, and I would remember from that hospital meal, I would remember just from that food that there were no rooms, recovery rooms left after Katie delivered the baby, and that we were given a much smaller room that wasn't designed for what we were using it for, and we were cramped in there. I, I would remember how my mother-in-law came to help out and how she held the baby while Katie ate in her bed and I ate from this tray in my lap of this wonderful food. <laughs> I would also remember how much food I didn't get because, see, dads get food one day and we were there five days and dads get food one day in the hospital. And, and this is all just if you brought me hospital food. All of this would rush back to my mind. All of the thoughts of the delivery, the stress, the chaos that seemed to happen, the relief when everything was said and done, just from a meal, just from remembering this is when I had hospital food. And so, and so this is the exact same idea that's going on here with the Passover, to draw your thoughts back to something else, to remember how good God is. And so we're going to open up our story this morning in Luke chapter 22. And for anybody who's new here this morning, uh, we're in the middle of going through the middle of a series called Misconceptions. And, and so what this series is doing is we, we said in our first week, we asked if anybody in here has ever been confused by something that Jesus has said or done. And every single person raised their hand. And, and we discussed how people, when Jesus was there with them, they were confused by the things that Jesus said and did. All the time, Jesus seemed to be flipping uh, their idea of the world upside down. And so we're going through some of these passages and breaking down some of these things uh, that Jesus just seemed to, to kind of turn them around and, and bring it a whole new meaning to what we know as Christianity. And so uh, this week is no different looking through these, but this week we're going to look into a, a special meal that Jesus had. And so in Luke chapter 22, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to start in verses 7 through 8. And it says, Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. So, so understand here that first, absolutely nothing is out of the ordinary here. Jesus is preparing to have the Passover with his apostles, with his family. This is the same as, as they always would have done. Uh, but how appropriate is it that the meal that the Jews ate to remember the miracles of God is the meal that Jesus is preparing to have shortly before what would become known as the greatest miracle of all? That, that Jesus, see, understand, there's this strange thing that Jesus does throughout the course of, of his life here on earth, where if, if you've read through the New Testament, you may have seen it, where Jesus will go and he'll heal someone and as that person is healed, he'll say to them, go and tell no one. Yeah. <laughs> and this, is, this seems confusing, right? Jesus, go and tell no one. I mean, the last thing Jesus said to us before he left in Matthew 28 was go and tell everyone. Baptize everyone in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Make sure the whole world knows the gospel of Jesus. And yet, at one point, Jesus would go and heal people and say, go and tell no one because Jesus was waiting for something. Jesus spent three years building a relationship with his apostles, with these 12 men, three years building a family. 
See, Jesus even said when his mother and brother came to him, this is another weird thing that Jesus says, they, they come to him and, and Jesus is told, hey, your mom and brother are outside and Jesus says, that's not my mom and brother. My mother and brother are the ones who do my will. That, that's my family. And so he spends these three years building this family that is his apostles. And he waits. And he times everything perfectly to land on the Passover. That the, the climax of human history would be right at the time of Passover. And this is, this is by no accident. This, this is entirely on purpose. What Jesus is doing is Jesus is getting ready. He's been telling his apostles through and through. He says, guys, something is going to happen to me. And don't worry. I promise you it'll be fine. I promise you I've got this under control. Understand what the Romans are going to do to me, what the Jews are going to do to me. But don't lose heart. And so, in a last-ditch effort, what Jesus does with his apostles is he sits down to prepare the Passover. That, that he could sit with his family and say, hey, remember? Remember Egypt? Remember when you were in bondage and there was nothing you could do to save yourselves? Remember when, when you were told by Moses that you were getting out of there, you were going to leave, and then you got to the shores of the Red Sea and you said, God, now what? You should have just left us there. Now the, now the Egyptians are going to come and kill us. And God says, no, 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 you don't have, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to make a way. Where, where you see death, I will make a way. And so Jesus is painting this picture through the Passover so that in the coming days, as the apostles witness his death, no, 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 no. I'm going to make a way. Trust me. I'm going to do it again. I mean, what, what better way for Jesus to prepare his apostles for what's to come? Jesus is showing them that, that at times it'll seem like the world around us is going to come crashing down. But remember what I've done. All through the Old Testament, we see this, that, that as God would do things, God would tell his people, okay, now, now build something here so that you never forget what I've done for you. Keep, keep going back to this. Keep doing this so you always remember what I've done for you. Not just so that we can know what God has done, so that we can know what he's going to do. So that we can know what's coming for us in the future. So that when, when we're faced with the Red Sea again, okay, <laughs> I serve the God who can split the Red Sea. I, I serve the God who when I pass through the Red Sea and all those Egyptians are coming after me in chariots while I'm on foot, I know I don't have to worry because the very thing that was my certainty in death will be the destruction of my enemies. I've seen what God has done. So you know what he's going to do in the future. You know what's coming. And so Jesus lays all of this down at his apostles. Remember Egypt. Remember when nothing seemed to make sense, I made sense of it. Remember when death was certain, I made a way. Remember when, when it seemed like you had lost all hope and God had abandoned you. There he was the whole time. And, and so why is Jesus painting this picture? Remember all of this because when I'm lifted up on that cross, I'll make a way. When it seems that all hope is lost, I'll make a way. When, when it seems that the very thing that has defeated me and there's nothing left, I'll make a way. And I will use that very thing to crush my enemies beneath me. 
So that, so that this, this concept, this, this Christianity, this, this new way of being humanity can thrive throughout the world, that we can transform people, that, that there will, would be a way that suddenly God and man could be united again through all of this. Jesus is saying in all of this, watch me do it again. As, as you prepare to witness the most horrifying thing that you've ever seen, remember the Passover. Remember what at one time defined a nation. Remember that thing that the rest of the nations trembled when Israel came, not because Israel was some mighty uh, military force, but because they said, no, 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 we've heard about your God, and please take what you want. <laughs> and that the same thing would happen. The enemies of God through the cross would tremble at his feet. And say, no, 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 we've heard of that God. Death was the one thing that we had, and apparently we don't have that anymore. That's what Jesus is doing for the apostles through the Passover. So then we move forward in Luke 22, verse 9. And they said to him, where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. So, so first of all, I mean, I just have to point out, I love reading the Bible from the perspective of the people that Jesus is talking to. Think about this for a second. You're, you're Peter and John, and Jesus says, hey, I want you to go prepare Passover for me. And, and I'll, I'll put this in perspective for you. Imagine if I went to one of you guys, and I was like, okay, I, will you take care of communion for me this Sunday? <laughs> a lot of you would probably have a lot of questions for me at that point, right? So they have questions for Jesus. Okay, if we're going to go prepare Passover, this is a big deal. We want to make sure we do this right, Jesus. So what do you want us to do? And then Jesus says, okay, you're going to go into the city, and there's going to be a man. Trust me, you'll know the man. He's got a jar of water. Follow him right into his house. <laughs> and then when you're in his house, ask him for the master of the house, and then go to that guy and be like, hey, where's your guest room? We need it. The teacher says he's going to use it. I don't know about you guys, but if I'm Peter and John, excuse me, Jesus? You want me to do what now? What, what does the jar look like? Well, what's the guy's name? Can you give me some physical attributes? What does he look like? What kind of home is he going into? Do you know this guy? Like, what is going on? And Jesus is like, just, just go find the guy with the water jug. Follow him into his house and ask for his guest room. And then go up there, you'll see that it's already furnished. Prepare that for the Passover. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing that I want you guys to get from this story. Jesus wants you to be a part of his story. Now, now understand in all of this that, you know, Jesus could have with the snap of his fingers, boom, there's a room fully furnished. There's, uh, the Passover is laid out, a lamb, he just created it, already roasted, problem solved, right? And I mean, he could have snapped his fingers and it's done, but that's not what he does because Jesus wants you to be a part of his story. Jesus could have come to this earth as a human and on day one been crucified and on day one come back from the dead and on day one risen back to heaven and said, glad that's out of the way, but he didn't. Instead, he spent 33 years building relationships 
engaging people to be a part of his story. The same thing he's doing here with us. That Jesus, Jesus could handle all of this on his own, but he wants us to be a part of his story. You know, I, I think about when I've told you guys about how reckless my dogs are and how awful they are. Well, you know, we go out and we buy new, new toys for them and we come home and there's stuffing all over the, I mean, everywhere in the house. Stuffing everywhere. Well, we have to clean it up. And what happens is my daughter comes over and she starts to pick up one piece of stuffing and take it to the trash and throw it away. And then she comes back and gets one more piece of stuffing and takes it back to the trash. And guys, really, she's, she's not really helping. I mean, we could really get it done a lot faster without her. But you realize how much I love her being a part of our story. How much I enjoy that my daughter wants to do the things that I'm doing with me. That she wants to be a part of this. This is the same. Jesus could do all of this without us, but instead he says, I want you to be a part of my story. Of, of this, this grand scheme of, of when heaven and earth were broken apart from each other. When sin was split them down the middle. And, and this story in which Jesus comes in and says, I will bring it all back to the way it's supposed to be. And I would love for you to be a part of that with me. I would love for you to, even if, and, and I mean, there's, there's so many of us that doubt about, well, what could I bring to the table? What, what could I do in the story of Jesus, right? Well, well let's, I'm going to go back a couple slides. I don't usually do this, but I'm going uh, to put the tech team on the spot. Go back one more. And Jesus says, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Listen, if you can't do anything else, you can carry a jar of water. This guy is still part of Jesus' story. I mean, if, if this guy had any idea what was going on with the Passover, with Jesus, with everything else, if I were this guy, I'd be telling my kids, my grandkids, do you guys know that your, uh, your old man was a part of the story of Jesus? I don't care if I carried a jar of water, I was a part of the story of Jesus. That's tremendous, right? Guys, that can be us. I don't care if you're not some super gifted person. I don't, I don't care if you're coming into church and you're saying, well, I can't be a part of this team up there. I, I, can't, I can't run the, the slides up in there. I can't teach kids. What can I do? You can carry a jar of water. Jesus calls all of us to be a part of his story. And man, he's willing to use anybody. Peter and John were great sometimes. John more than Peter, maybe. This guy carrying the jar of water find his mistakes in the Bible, right? <laughs> this can be us. I mean, if, if you're called to be a Peter, if you're called to be a John, do those things. But sometimes it's just carrying a jar of water because Jesus wants you to be a part of his story. And so in verse 14 of our text, it says, And when the hour came, he reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Hear this. I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you. Jesus so desperately wanted to have these men at the table with him. Jesus so desperately wants us to be at the table with with him. This is a moment that he says, I've, I've been waiting for this for so long, for so long, to just sit and have this meal with you. 
And, and again, I think of this from a parent's perspective because, because in my heart, I long for the day that my adult children are, are grown up, they're doing life on their own, and they can come back and they can have a meal with their dad and, and they start to have kids of their own. And I could say, yeah, I've, I've wanted so badly, so badly to sit and to have this moment with you, to tell you how passionate about, I am about you, to tell you how deeply I love you, that, that you have the opportunity now that, that you never understood when you were a child, but every diaper you change now is an act of love. Every, every uh, wipe that goes across the face to clean off that disgusting baby food is an act of love, that, that every time that you have to scold your child, that everything that you work through with this child, all the times that you took time out of work to sit and to listen to them babble and to play with them, was an act of love. And, and I'm so glad that you can see it now. That you can see how much dad loves you. That you get it. And Jesus, in this moment, is saying, look back at Egypt. Do you see how much I love you? Do you see how much you matter to me? That, that there is nothing that I wouldn't do for the people that I love. There, there is no end to the love of God. You never reach a point where he says, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. Even when looking in the Old Testament, when God seemed to turn his back on Israel, his back was never turned. Theirs was. And he was always there saying, turn around. I, I don't care how much you do to me. I still love you. Even Jesus on the cross, facing the people who have brutally beaten him, facing the people who are spitting into his open wounds, facing the people who are mocking him, what does he say? He says, Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. They have no idea. Tell me that's not an act of love. And Jesus is pointing back to the Passover so that what's about to happen will have perspective. That what's about to happen will make sense. Do you understand why I parted the Red Sea? Do you understand why I sent the angel of death to Egypt? Do you understand why the Egyptians were crushed in the Red Sea behind you? Jesus is pointing at all of this in the Passover and saying, do you understand how much I love you? And now take that perspective and shift it to the cross. And when all hope seems lost, do you understand how much I love you? And Jesus is taking this and explaining, I understand that God is just as much a God of judgment as he is a God of love. And so God, in, in all of our selfishness, in all of our brokenness, in all of our blatant rebellion, God sees all of that and he says, something has to be done. Someone has to pay the price for this. And ideally, that's every single one of us who should face a gruesome death because the level of the penalty, uh, that's what dictates the level of punishment. And the penalty says that this punishment requires blood. And Jesus from heaven says these people, these broken people, there has to be judgment. There must be blood for this penalty. I'll do it. 
I'll do it. And in his infinite judgment, requiring what must be done, God said, fine, I'll take the judgment on myself. And in the greatest act of love that the world has ever seen. And so, and so Jesus tells them, every time that you drink this cup, remember me. Re- remember, remember back to the Passover and, and what happened for the Israelites back then. Remember the moment that defined Israel as a nation. Remember the moment that, that put the rest of the nations, brought them to their knees when they saw the power of their God. And he says, when everything seems lost in a few moments, remember that. And it'll give you perspective for what's to come. And so here and now, on a Sunday that we're going to have communion, remember the cross. Remember what happened back then. Remember that at the shores of death itself, God made a way. Death couldn't defeat our God. Remember that that in all the judgment that he required, he said, I'll take that on myself. Remember that when all hope seemed lost, Jesus made a way. And every time we have this, what we're remembering is Jesus saying, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. All of the things right now, right here in life that seem to plague us, all, all of this discouragement, all of the disappointment, all of the, all of the hopelessness, all of the bitterness, all of the things that consume us negatively in our lives, Jesus says, I'm not done yet. Remember the cross? That was only step one. There's a lot left to be done, and I haven't forgotten you. If I start something like the cross, believe me, I'll finish it. So remember the cross. And in that, remember what is to come. Remember how much I desperately love you. Remember how passionate I am about you. And so at this point, I'm, I'm going to ask our ushers to prepare for us to do exactly this. Uh, not, not to have the Passover, but to have communion here this morning. And to take a moment and to remember what exactly Jesus did when he suffered and bled and was hung on that cross for us. Uh, to remember that it was Jesus up there when it should have been each of us. That it was Jesus that, that took all of the penalty that was deserved by us. Uh, so, so the ushers can go ahead and come forward and, and they're going to pass out the bread and the grape juice and I'm going to ask you to just hold on to those for just a moment so that we can all take them together. Uh, and if you're new here, let me, let me give you a little bit of perspective on what exactly is going on right now. Uh, this, this is something that Jesus commands his followers to do. People who, who have committed to a relationship with Jesus to do these things. And so uh, if you're new here, if, you, if you're just checking out this whole Christianity thing, if you're not sure about this, uh, just, just let that plate pass by you. Uh, don't worry about that. You can let that go with no guilt or no judgment from us. Uh, this is something that Jesus has commanded his followers to do. And so uh, as, as we pass uh, the, the elements out this morning, uh, we'll, we'll have Amazing Grace playing and, and we'll sing Amazing Grace, remembering the things that Jesus has done for us, uh, specifically remembering the cross as they pass it out this morning. And let me, let me just pray for you real quick. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time. And we ask that as uh, we begin to take communion, we ask that you would flood our minds with all of the, the uh, just reality of what the cross is, that that you would cause us to remember the things that Jesus went through for us, that you would help us to see ourselves for who we are 
and that we could see you for who you are. And that in that perspective, that would lead us to worship. That would lead us to love you at a deeper, uh, more intimate level. And God, we just thank you so much for sending Jesus in our place and for sending him to die on that cross that we deserved. And it's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. So continuing in our story then in Luke chapter 22, verse 19, it says, And Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So as we eat this bread this morning, we're, we're remembering the crushed body of Jesus. We're, we're remembering the flesh that was torn off of him on the cross. We're remembering the price that was ultimately paid for you and for me. You may eat. next in verse 20 Jesus says this and likewise the cup after they had eaten saying this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood and so all all of the old testament requiring a sacrifice requiring blood for that judgment Jesus is saying I was that sacrifice I am that bridge between heaven and earth I am the reason that you can have a relationship with God now And so remember the blood that was shed on that cross for you. And and remember in all of this that if I started a work at the cross, I'll finish it. I'll finish it. We're not done yet. We, We remember here and now the blood of Jesus, and we remember that it's that blood of Jesus that takes us into tomorrow, that is the promise of everything that is to come of the eternity that he promises us. You may drink. And so now let me pray for you, and then you'll be dismissed this morning. God, thank you again for this time. Thank you for this remembrance. Thank you for your son. Uh, We ask that we could take this time and that we would feel the weight of it, uh, that we would know the gravity of what it meant for you to send your son to this earth and to die for us, to bleed for us, uh, to suffer a gruesome crucifixion for us. We we ask that we would understand the gravity of what this means in our lives, uh, even here and now, the effect that this plays out uh, all throughout where we are now and going into eternity. We ask that we could take this time and that we could turn it back into praise for you, that we would love you, uh, that, that we would be brought into a deeper relationship with you. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are, and we thank you especially for what you've done for us. And it's in your perfect and precious name that we pray. Amen.